0: All right, so um, we are continuing our series on kind of summer flavors, summertime, and uh, as you guys know, the kids are with us. In the back, there's some coloring sheets, so at the same time, if my sermon is getting a bit boring for you, just pretend like you're going to the toilet, but you can stop at that table and start coloring. There are mazes there as well, um, and good things like that, uh, but we are continuing this series on summertime. Last week... Um, Ben kicked us off, and we wanted to use these next, these, past, these couple weeks to talk about what are the sort of things that happen in summer, like what kind of events that happen that kind of make summer feel like summer, and so last week, Ben talked about eating, uh, because obviously a lot of times summertime is about barbecues and eating, and he talked about uh, the stuff that he eats, which might be like just organically, ma- no, just made and then poured into a cup and fuel is what's called. This week we're talking about relaxing because so much happens in the summer. Now it's the time to take a break and relax and go on holiday. And one reason we stopped the evening service is because no lots of people have gone on holiday and are visiting their family in Singapore or Malaysia or just calivanting around Europe before Brexit happens. All of these things uh, kind of happen. So we want to think about what does it mean for us to relax or to rest? Uh, And I want to throw that question out to you guys first. If you guys want to turn to the person next to you and say, hi, oh, hi, I'd like to, to introduce myself to you, but uh, you could ask each other, how do you get rest? How do you get rest? So go ahead, turn around, say hello to the person next to you, and ask each other, how do you get rest? Yeah? She's an architect, a product designer. Oh, really? get rest. she doesn't get rest. She just builds yeah. models constantly. She's studying. She's studying. Yeah. What? This is Julia introduced. Yeah. Why don't you talk to Yang, Jody? Talk Hi, to this one. Do you don't let these two talk to each other. She's probably like, how do I get rest? well I get rest if you didn't keep bothering me, Julia? <laughs> good, good. Oh, it's so awkward. Never mind. Look another did you oh you okay. Okay, cool. Fine, Be that way. Nice, nice, nice. Hi. How do you get rest? Sleep. Sleep on your phone. I, I'm in the toilet. I'm in the toilet. That's that's where I go. When the kids are bothering me, I just go to the toilet. Dad, how come you have to do poo for so long? I don't know. Just just go away. That's my, my resting space. Okay, very good. Uh so uh, let me walk around. We're, now that we're back in this place, I can walk around, and ask people, how do you guys get rest? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Who's someone that, who, who has a really interesting way of getting rest? Kwong, Kwong, Kwong. Come, come, come. Tell me. How do you get rest? Just sleep. Oh, just sleep. Is that all you do? Play on your phone. Phone, phone games, yeah. What phone games do you play? Uh, sleeping phone games? <laughs> what phone games do you play? Can you unlock your phone? Let me have a look at it now. No, no, just, just kidding. Can I go through your text messages? No. Okay, who else? We have sleeping is one way to get rest. Wait, let me ask this question then. How many people have good sleep every night? Oh, so just a few of you guys, right? How many of you people wish you had more sleep? Okay, there you go. Okay. Wait, let me ask this question. How many of you people feel rested? You feel rested. So a few people, but not very many. Interesting, interesting. I noticed the people who did get a lot of sleep feel rested. All right, let's see. Who else has... Uh, how do you get rest? I won't bother my wife. Let's, let's, let's come over here. Let me ask Isabella. Isabella, how do you get rest? Read. Read. What do you read? Novels. What novels do you read? What are you reading right now? Uh, like she's checking my, her bookshelf in her head. Uh, no, she didn't say that one. She didn't say that one. no. <laughs> No, I, I, I read a lot of books on, on the internet. Oh, interesting. Internet books. Oh, we won't probe too much further with that. Let me go over to the younger people section. So we have rest. We have reading. Let's come over here. Let's uh, check out these people here. Yang, how do you get rest? Uh, staring at a wall. Staring at a wall. Staring at, st- staring at a wall. Is there anything on the wall, like a TV? Just a picture of Jody. No, just, just kidding, sorry. No, it's, um, and anyways, so you stare at a wall and you feel more peaceful after staring at the wall and that is very helpful in your resting development. Very similar, I knew another university student who did the exact same thing. They would stare at walls until they were able to feel rested. Shall I ask you two? How do you get rest? Me time. <laughs> me time. What's me time? Whenever it's just me. When it's just you. Exactly. As, much as, I as much as you love your fiancé, you like to be alone by yourself. So, cool. You there, why? Oh, that's where you go to the toilet? <laughs> so that was our discussion. We were saying where I get my rest is the toilet. Because no one can come bother me there. Although the kids keep asking, why do you have to dig a poo for so long? I said, I just want to be in here, okay? My, the toilet that I stay in is really small. It's like um, a Hong Kong flat. So it's just like this big. And there's just a toilet in there and a tiny sink. And I just sit in there for long periods of time. Resting, resting. No, actually, no. Uh, anyways, let's move on from there. Um, so if that's, those are some ways to get rest, right? We know sleeping, kind of reading, me time, trying to do your own thing, kind of relax. But the, real, the other question I have to ask is, well, how do you get rest for your soul? Um, is there some way for your soul to find rest? And, and when we think about your soul finding rest, it's actually, you know when you, when you feel peace. You don't just feel like not tired anymore. You don't feel just sleepy. You don't feel disturbed anymore. You don't feel anxious. You don't feel stressed. Um, like if we think about, and we even think about like the mental health like kind of things they talk about nowadays, the biggest question that we have nowadays is how do we actually get rest for our souls? Like it's so important and so useful for us. This is what we want to talk about today. When we talk about relaxing and our summer flavors, how do we actually get rest for our souls? And I have a feeling the way that we live our lifestyle here, or because of work or because of kids, it very often feels like we don't get the rest for the souls that we need. Now, we keep thinking the best way to get rest for our souls is to do things we do to get rest normally, which is read or me time or sleep. But the problem is we just can't seem to find the time to do those things. But we have to really start asking, God, is there a way to get rest for our souls that's different than just getting physical rest? What we're going to look at today is I'm going to break down Psalm 23, and we're going to kind of walk through this, because this psalm really helps us to understand uh, actually how to get rest for your souls. And actually, Psalm 23 is very famous because it starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And of course, I know all of you guys are in the uh, farming industry, and you all know about shepherding. So we're going to move straight on into the deep. I'm just kidding. I know none of you guys are shepherds. So we are going to instead spend the next hour talking about basic shepherding. Now, if you have never shepherded an animal before, if you've never shepherded sheep before uh, as a sheep herder, uh, it involves a variety of different things. Now, I was very tempted to search on the Internet for, like, old-time Bible shepherds, but I thought, no, you know what? I should go to the U.S. government website to find out what a shepherd does and what that might look like. And I discovered all these things, kind of interesting things that shepherds are involved in doing. Did you know that actually part of shepherding is you have to make sure the sheep don't eat poison? I did not know that because apparently sheep are not that smart and they go out, they eat all sorts of grass, but sometimes they eat things that's not grass or shouldn't be eaten, but they're like and they just eat it. So one of the things that the shepherd has to do is when they're going and taking them to a field is they have to make sure where they are pasturing or where they're having does not have like poison or plants they shouldn't eat that give them an upset tummy, things like that. In other words, it's very much like parenting. The second thing is you have to make sure they don't get lost. So sheep also sometimes wander off. And we know this because the Bible tells us that, right? Like that's where we know our sheep herding stuff. But apparently sheep sometimes, the example on the website, sometimes a sheep will see some food down there and will jump down into a pit to get the food. And then while it's down there, it's like, oh, My legs aren't built for climbing out of holes. I'm just going to sit here and go, bah, bah. So part of the shepherd's job is to go and get that sheep out of the hole. I did not know sheep were like this. Um... The other thing is you have to lead them forward. You have to lead them from place to place because uh, they will just eat all the things in the area and then they'll be like, ah, still hungry, and you have to take them and try to find other place. You, you have to protect them from predators. Uh, other sheep herders they, nowadays, they carry guns and shoot things like that, not like the times with King David where he used a sling to kill everything from bears to giants. Um, you also have to protect them from diseases, so diseases, because normally there's not a veterinarian around, so you have to treat uh, any kind of diseases, but you also have to care for them should they get a cut, you have to do basic first aid on them. So they have to do a little bit of, kind of medical treatment. And finally, you have to give them haircuts regularly because sheep do not shed. I guess that's why they get so fluffy. Unlike me, who loses hair at an accelerating rate. So there are times when I wonder if only I had the hair of a sheep then I would have the Chinese mom afro that I've always dreamed of having. But you start realizing, okay, so shepherding involves a lot of things. And as you look at this list, you think to yourself, oh, it is a little bit like parenting. It's very much in terms of caring or making sure these people don't get lost or know what they're doing. The next question is then, how do you let God shepherd you? Now, I think for most of us, we think to ourselves, but obviously, Bert, I don't go out and eat poison. I know how to climb out of a hole. But if you think about this as just being a metaphor and you think a little bit further, it's quite clear. Many of you do not know what is poison and what is not poison. We will choose to do things in our life that we think is fine, then find out, actually, that was really bad for me. That was really unhealthy. Uh, it's a little bit worse than that. I think one of the things that we're finding out, like in terms of using your phone, uh, you can get very addicted to it that you actually can't stop. A lot of the games that are designed about, I mean, the games nowadays, they say, this is their promotional material. Addictive gameplay. Now, when I was growing around, that word addiction was not a positive term that I would use to describe something. You should play this game because you'll get addicted to it and not be able to stop. I, like, I feel like that's a negative, and yet that's how they sell things now. There are things that we take into our heart that might be poisonous, that might be dangerous. We might find ourselves in holes, and we don't know how to get out. And one of the things I would say is that for a lot of us, actually, we might feel like we are in a hole where our soul does not feel rest. We find ourselves with habits that we can't break out of. We find ourselves eating things spiritually that might not be good for us. And we don't know how to find the right food. And you start realizing, and the first thing that needs to start for us is to say, actually, I think, God, I really need to be shepherded by you. Not mentored, but I really need to be shepherded. I need you to lead me and show me each day how to live, how to grow, how to be. And this is how the psalm starts. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think for us, the first thing for us is if you are really trying to find rest for your souls, if you are anxious or worried about different things and you're really trying to find rest, you have to say, God, I need you to shepherd me. I really need you to be my life. And I admit that I am like a sheep wandering around sometimes. And I really need you to be there for me. I think that first step of honesty and humbly coming before him Is what we need to do. It's really difficult for us because we're taught so much to be self-reliant to kind of prove that we can do this. And there's a lot of things in life that we are responsible for. But when we start talking about the care of our souls, the care of our spiritual life, you have to start saying, actually, God, will you be my shepherd? The other part of this is it says, I shall not want. It's this idea that actually our God is sufficient for us. If I were to sum up that first two parts, it's really saying, actually, God, I want to trust in you. I want to trust in the sufficiency of you, in that what you are is enough for me. You are my shepherd, and I don't need anything else. Now, I know about you, but that's, that's really hard for me to accept. Because sometimes I feel like, yeah, God's my shepherd, but I would really like, um, you know, maybe more financial security. Or maybe I'd like more love in my life or maybe I'd like to know that um, I will have kids, or I will have a family, or I will have a job. When we say, actually, God, if I trust you as my shepherd, I believe that you are going to lead me to the places that I need to be, and you're going to show me what I need to eat, and you're going to care for me in that way, and I will follow you. The sheep only works best if it's following the, sh- the shepherd, Right? There's this relationship where they know, like, actually, this is where I'm safe. It's a little bit like a puppy dog, or, or maybe not a puppy dog, a dog that's all grown up. I was going to say cat, but cats are not very loyal. Um, a dog which is like, yeah, I go to you. I know this person has what I need. And it's for the same for us as saying, well, actually, God, I really need to look to you. I trust in you and the sufficiency of who you are. The psalm goes on. and says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, if you have children or if you have had a baby recently, maybe in the past couple weeks, you may discover that uh, babies just don't sleep. I don't know what their problem is. Okay, so this is, when I had our kid, Alex and Oscar, I got really frustrated because I'm like, why aren't they sleeping? Like, they're so tired. Why aren't they sleeping? Because at some point as a parent, you realize, I know they're really tired. Why aren't they sleeping? And then they're not sleeping. And then they start yelling at you. I'm like, wah, wah. And you're like, if you're tired, go to sleep. But obviously, it's like a month old. So I guess their English isn't very good because they just keep shouting at me, wah, 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 wah. That's that's all they sound like, like ducks. Um, And then you're like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And I suddenly realized why parents get so anxious about the sleeping and eating habits of their children. Because the first two years of your life, that's all you're thinking about. How to get this thing, I mean this lovely child, (laughs) to eat and to sleep. And it's really challenging, and all new parents know that. And you think to yourself, man, I wasted so many years in university when I should have slept even more so that I could save it up to spend now. Just kidding, university students. Don't spend more time sleeping. But you have this understanding. Actually, one of the biggest problems we have, even as adults, is we still reject the rest that God wants to give us. You know, we still choose to overwork or to try to say that if we do this, that's what's going to keep us alive. But I love this because it's saying, God makes me lie down in green pastures. Like God is saying, no, 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 you need to rest. You need to stop here. You need, your soul needs to have a break. And when you think about the soul care of your life, you're starting to realize, oh, man, it's not just my life that I'm burning out or my, my stress levels. My soul needs to have rest. Sometimes it means doing less work, but actually, what it really means is really coming before Jesus and saying, Jesus, you are my shepherd. Make me rest. Let my heart be still. Now, we talk about that rest. It's like, actually, God, let me know that I do not have to be anxious about my work. I don't need to be anxious about my children. I don't need to be anxious about these things because, God, actually, I trust in you. You are my shepherd. So let me have that rest. He leads me beside still waters. Now, if you've had a chance, and I know Antti and the Sweden team were sharing about this a few weeks ago, where they got to go out and they were on the lake. They were seeing the lake and it was so still and so peaceful. And even for the guys who are at Fat Camp, you were out by that man-made artificial Whitemore Lakes and you could still feel that sense of peace. And yet I would bet for most of us, when we think of water, we don't think of a still, peaceful lake. We normally think of there's some storm going around, or there's a dam about to break, or there's flooding. It's a pretty disastrous kind of time. What God is saying is not only are there pastures where I will bring you to have food and rest, but there will be that peace there. Now, if this is where you are, and each of these verses, you have to stop for a moment. You have to say, actually, God, what I'm taking away from today is that I need you to shepherd me. I need to trust that you are my eternal shepherd. If it's not that, then maybe it's this. God, actually, I need you to make me lie down, and I want to obey you. I want to obey you in that. Let my heart have that rest and be by that still water again, because I cannot manage the storm anymore. I'll give you a tip about parents. So, as a parent, you can be really stressed out that your baby's crying. And it's crying, crying, crying. You get really frustrated. And you're like, why aren't they sleeping? It's already like they've already been awake for an extra two hours, and now I'm getting really stressed out. And then they finally go to sleep. And you're so agitated. You're so angry they haven't slept. But as soon as they go to sleep, you take out your phone. You start looking at pictures of them. I'm like, oh, look how cute they are. And then they wake up again, and you're like, oh, why are you awake? And it's so weird because you're like, on one hand, you love them when they're asleep. and when they're awake, you're like, and part of it's the stress because you want to be in control of a situation. And for the child, it's stressful too because they're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't even know what sleep is. Maybe if I sleep, I'll never wake up because I don't understand these things. And then they're all really stressed. In our relationship with God, God doesn't just wait for us to sleep so we can be happy. But he's actually much better than us. And we're resisting him because we think to ourselves, well, I think I want to do what I want to do. But actually what we need to say is actually we are best or we are in a best place when we are trusting God and saying, actually, you are right. I do need to pause. See, when you start looking at this, you realize the rest for your soul comes when you are spending time with God. Not just out of duty, but actually because you know that's where the shepherding happens. When you're talking about still water, a place to drink, he's saying, that's my living water. Come to my word. Like we don't read the Bible because we're supposed to as Christians. Yeah, maybe you do. But actually we read the Bible because we need our souls to be restored. It's the most powerful thing when you can actually stop and say, actually, God, let me be still here in the green pastures where I will have the feeding from your word. And I can trust that as I'm doing this, there will be enough time for everything else. There will be enough time. When you look through the Bible and you hear stories of Daniel faithfully praying, or you look in seeing God, taking Jesus taking time to go up the mountainside to pray, you start realizing they always knew that the source of our strength or our peace in our life comes from Jesus, which means spending time with him in there. So when I first came to this country, I lived in Loughborough. Loughborough is a very flat place. I didn't know very much about the city. I didn't very know much, very much about this country. And I lived in Loughborough, and uh, because my missionary friend who was here working for COCM lived there, and he had this big house uh, that they were renting uh, right across from AWM's new headquarters, actually uh, there. And uh, I stayed at the very top, and it was really sad for me. I was really, um, I was quite sad being in this country. Uh, I was waiting for the sun to come out because it was summer, and I didn't realize that hit or miss. The sun may come out tomorrow. It may not. And uh, it was raining and it was summertime and it was very different than Los Angeles. Uh, I didn't have any friends. I was living with this family with two kids uh, in a city called Loughborough. That's very flat. That didn't have a Chinese church. Uh, They all went to Leicester and I was like, okay, well, what am I doing here, God? And uh, Back then, I, I didn't have uh, mobile phones that I could just FaceTime a friend in the States or text message them. I'd have to plug my laptop into the 56K modem and uh, send an email. So I was like, okay, fine, we're not, that's not happening. So I had no other choice but to read God's Word because I did not want to read the other books on the shelf. So I was reading the Bible, and I was reading through Romans. And I read through Romans, and it's late at night, and I read through Romans chapter 1, and I said, this is so depressing. I know, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know it's really bad. The next day, I read through Romans chapter 2, and I was like, oh, it's still really bad. And Romans chapter 3, the next day, I was like, oh, man, we are all sinners. We're all, we all deserve condemnation. Gosh, whoo, go Bible. Um, then I got to Romans chapter 4, and then suddenly it was like, well, actually, but because we are so bad, God loves us so much. And, and, it, and at that moment, it was like my soul was restored. Like, all the stuff I was worrying about, like no longer mattered. There was just such great peace in knowing that God loved me. It's that, that when suddenly I'm like, wow, this is a green pasture. Wow, this is a still lake. That even though things seem out of my control, it doesn't matter because our God is really the great shepherd. If you in your life, if you know that things are not where you want to be, actually the shortest distance to getting things right is to read your Bible, When you spend time with God and say, actually, God, let me look at your word. I'm not going to look at my phone right now. I'm going to actually switch it off and go to a paper Bible because if I try to use my phone Bible, I know I will switch apps within two seconds. But actually say, I'm going to go and use this paper Bible. I'm going to spend time with this because, God, I need you to shepherd me. It is really understanding that we need to be still. We need to drink water because then we will be refreshed. Refreshed. The psalm goes on and actually it's kind of, you know, then it comes to this amazing verse. And I, I had to separate this from everything else because it outright says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Now, when we bought our house, um, uh, we, the house that we live in right now, when we first bought it, it was, uh, we, we, we thought we were really good. We thought we were, re- okay, we thought we were smart people. Uh, me and my wife, we thought we were quite clever, so we bought this house. Oh, so good. We're going to restore it back to its kind of its 1930s features. Um, my wife was pregnant. Then we're like, oh, actually, this project is much bigger than we thought. So we had to live with Kang. We lived with Kang for a, like a few months just together. Uh, and Kang was like, he wasn't even a Christian then, but he still let us live in his house. And, uh, and, the worst was, Fan and I said, Well, let's go out to eat. This might be the last time we can go out to eat. Still a couple months before the baby comes. And then we get a call from our builder, and it's raining. It's pouring outside right now. And our builder calls us up and says, Oh, we can't find any footing in your house. Like, we, we dug out this big hole, but you seem to be missing a foundational piece of your wall called the footing. And maybe you should come here and have a look. And my wife, we're in a, we're in a Thai restaurant in Harborn, and we're like, What is happening? You're so pregnant, what's going to happen? So we get up, we pay for our bill, we go there, and it's like a mud jacuzzi. There's a giant pits of mud. And he's there, our uh, Eastern European uh, builder, His name is Rad, that's a cool name. It's like, oh, we can't find the footing. Like, we think there's no footing here. Do you have any building work saying this house was built in 1930s? This is not the extension part. What do you mean there's no footing? We just can't find it. So we can't do any work until we get it. It might delay everything for a couple months. And I just kept looking at my wife and seeing how large she had become due to the child in her. And we were getting really worked out. And I think at that moment, I think both Fan and I were like, this is really bad. Like we bought this house. We thought we could restore it. We thought we knew what we were doing. We thought we were clever. Both had university degrees. You know, we're smart people. And then we're like, oh my gosh, we don't know anything. And now we're doomed. And I remember we, we went back and we, we prayed and we're like, oh gosh, this is really bad. And we were kind of stressed out because, and then we, it was one of those things where, okay, God, well, we just have to trust you. And then somehow it's going to be okay. Our last picture of that night was this idea that this whole hole that they had dug in the ground, that they had already supposed to have filled with cement, was just one giant mud bath. And we're like, he said, well, we'll see tomorrow when it drains out. When it stops raining, we'll have a look. And so my wife were like, oh, gosh, I don't know. Now, before I finish that story, I think for a lot of us, we th- our souls need massive restoration. And we think we're smart enough to do it ourselves, we're like, oh, I just have to do this, or I'll just do this, and it'll be fine. Or if I just get this person to fall in love with me, everything will fall into place. You know, we have all these stupid ideas from TV on how our lives can get restored. But actually, all, what you really need to do is say, God, I need you to restore my soul. I need to fix it, because it's falling apart. At that point, uh, my wife and I, our confidence in our builder was so low. Our confidence in the fact that we could actually move in this place was so low. Um, all we knew is that we were living off the generosity of Kang, which was really great, um, and so what happens the next day they called us up and said, we found it. We found the footing. It's kind of far back, but we can just put a little bit of concrete there and it'll be all fixed. And then we can screen it. And I said, my wife's really pregnant. Do you think this will be finished soon? He said, yeah, I think we can be able to get done before the baby's born. And, of course, we're like, "We don't know when the baby's going to be born. God, please let it be late. Um <laughs> So, um, praise God, it was late. The the house got built, the house got fixed, everything was okay, um, and we managed to move in uh, with still about uh, a few weeks left to try to paint it and get it set uh, before the the kid was born, uh, before Alex was born. Um, And it was one of those moments where you start realizing um, when we try to be in too much control ourselves, we might find that that's why things are falling apart. When we talk about our soul, you're really saying, actually, God, this is the spiritual part of me, so I need you to restore it. I need you to fix it. The way I look at this world, and the confession is the way I look at this world is wrong. The What I think is right may not be right, and I really need you to restore me. There is this beautiful picture of soul restoration, where what might feel hard or broken or impossible, God can actually bring life into. He can patch up the areas that are not functioning right the things that suddenly make you angry you know you are sensitive or you know that you lash out or you struggle with commitment those are the things where god is saying actually i can restore that it doesn't matter what your background was it doesn't matter what you went through but i can lead you forward in that and our prayer starts becoming yeah actually god i need you to shepherd me to lead me in the right place and i need you to restore my soul At this point, the verse uh, shifts a little bit. It's still talking about the example uh, pastorally of a a sheep and a shepherd. And it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, But now it's drawing the relationship between the shepherd and us a little bit closer. Um, And this, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake is really important. So on the back for the kids, there's a maze. Uh, There's a maze kind of project. And actually, that's very much what shepherding is like. Um, In here, in in the UK... I mean, there's green grass everywhere. It feels like you could just take the sheep and leave them out, and they'll find enough safe grass, whatever. But in, uh, in uh, Israel, around those areas, the grass is splotchy, and you need to go to see where the rain was, where the grass had grown up. And so it's you have to lead all the sheep down a different kind of path to a different place to get to where they need to go so they can eat. In our life, it's very similar we need to say, actually, God, we are kind of lost. And I know a lot of us figure out, we don't know what job we want to do. We don't know what A-levels we want to do. We don't know where to go to university. We don't know where to buy a house. There's so many questions we have. And it's good that we use in our minds to try to think about. It. But actually, this helps us to understand how to really figure out what's right. He leads me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, you're asking God, God, what's the path that is going to bring you the most glory? Let my heart and my soul and my spirit have absolute peace in knowing that I want to be on this path that brings you the most glory. And the first thing we start realizing is that the path that brings him the most glory is one that is righteous. So that helps us because it helps us understand, well, I definitely then I want to be doing what is right. So that immediately knocks off all the illegal kind of activities, all the kind of cheating or something. they are like, actually, I don't want to do those. So we know that. So God now lead me on the right path. And let it be the one that brings you the most glory. Now, I'll also say, your life will have the most joy when you are able to give God the most glory. At Fat Camp this year, it was good. I had a chance to really pray for people. And that's, I learned, was the best part of any time I go someplace. The chance you have to pray for people, to minister into people's lives, to share life with someone, to see God work in that, that sharing of God's glory is always the best. The worst conferences I've been to are when I go there and I'm not engaging with people and I'm just waiting for it to finish and I can see people might have problems, but I just say, that's not my problem. That's always the worst because I leave away thinking, well, that was fun, but you know, whatever. The ones where I have given myself out, poured out more, those are the ones where I know the life is there. For us, it's the same. You can find actually your soul are restored when you are more active in doing what God desires you for you to do and walking his main, in his name's sake. It's really saying, walk his paths, see his glory. As it goes on then, it says, there will be times, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, this is a powerful image, because sometimes they're in the dark, like it's gotten very shadowy, it's very hard to see. And she, maybe their eyesight's not so good, they don't know where the master is, or the shepherd. So the rod and staff comforting him is the... They can feel it. They can feel the rod and staff there. So they know, actually, my shepherd is still near me. It's the same for us, knowing, hearing his voice, seeing where he is. For us, the thing is, when you are going through very difficult times, very hard times, it is still saying, God, I need to sense your presence. I need to know your presence. And I need to trust your presence is there. There will be times in your life when things get so dark and so difficult. You feel so alone, feel so lost. Maybe it's transitions that you're going through in your life. Maybe it's transitions physically, that things happen within your family that cause something different to happen. But in all these things, you're saying, God, even though it feels so dark here, even though I'm in a valley, I know you are with me. I can sense that you are still here, and I trust that you are with me always. It's this idea that you are not staying and living in this valley, but you are just walking through there. But you still know that God is there with you. As the verse comes to an end, it kind of changes. The metaphor moves from the shepherd, but actually now your relationship with God has developed. It's, you prepare before you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows suddenly there 's this picture of actually it 's not just shepherding as you as an animal, but you 're suddenly sharing in this meal like you are family now, preparing a feast before your enemy suddenly says, actually this is a celebration. We are here together, where suddenly you 're not god 's just a shepherd, but you are his friend, you are his child, you are his family. And this preparing a banquet before your enemies, it's almost like saying, you know what? This meal, this fantastic glory, this abundance that you see here, your enemies are going to look at that and say, wow, actually your God is good. Your God is faithful. Your God is the one that we can trust. It really demonstrates God's faithfulness, but also talks about his abundance and his triumph. When it says your cup overflows, it really means that God pours so much that it is just spilling out. In Chinese, uh, the word that we use is wasting, but actually, in God's terms, it's I have so much to give to you, it will overflow. And actually, the image that he uses is he will fill you up so much that it overflows and pours on to other people. One of the pastors from London and when I was at Fat Camp, spent some time talking to him and and praying with him. And he says to me, Bert, how come you have so much to give? Like, how how, how can you have so much love to give? And I say, it's just the grace of God because I've been blessed so much by our church, by the support that we have, that I'm eager to pour that out to those around us. With us, we sometimes face a lot of different kind of enemies, whether it is change or whether it's actual people in our workplace that cause us trouble, whether it's... uh, ex-boyfriends or girlfriends or sometimes it might even feel like our parents or our family and our natural inclination is to feel hate to hate them to want the worst for them well god is saying actually take your eyes off your enemy whether it's your sin or your struggle or an actual person and put your eyes on me and when you put your eyes on god you say actually no god i trust you because actually at some point i am going to be feasting there's gonna be so much abundance and the idea that the enemies see this is like not you gloating over them and say, ha, 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 I have all the food, I'm at look and there's no seats, you have to stay on the outside. <laughs> but rather it is, see all this abundance? Don't you want the same thing so that you will have a change of heart, a change of life, so that this abundance, this cup overflowing, might flow out for you as well? It suddenly becomes like, actually, I have all this, and there's so much abundance that I want even my enemy to know, the love of God through that, the triumph of God Almighty. Then it gets towards the end. It says, "Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Shepherding, and this has been this journey, right? So if you understand, he says, "I'm your shepherd," and he's saying you're walking with me, and I'm going to take you here, and you need to have rest, and you're going to have a drink, and sometimes there'll be a really dark valley. And as we come out of the valley, there's going to be a place where I'm going to take you. And actually, you will have plenty of food and law feasting. But actually, at the end, you'll be home. You'll be home with me. You will have rest. And you know behind me, not just what has followed me, but the next generations will have that goodness and mercy as well in their life. And suddenly, you have this sense of, yeah, actually, God, above all, what I want the most is home. I want to be at home with you where I can finally have that rest, where I'm not fighting anymore, I'm not trying to make a name for myself, I can just take off my shoes and sit down and just be with you. The fight is over, the stress is gone, but I can have home. I think for those of us here, we, I don't know, but I feel like we need that even, we understand that even deeper. Especially if we are born here and we're British, but we're at the same time we're Chinese and we don't know really where our home is, We can be at home, but at the same time, it doesn't always feel home-like. What God is saying, actually, the home that you will have, the home that you need, is my home here with you. Where God is, that is where you can really find that rest. For those of you who are immigrants, I know some people come from Hong Kong, and you see what's going back home in Hong Kong, and it makes your heart weep. At the same time, you don't know if you could actually go back there, because you're not sure you could settle back in that home. But at the same time here, you're still trying to figure out where you fit in. And whether that's Malaysia or Singapore or Hong Kong or Canada or anywhere, it's still the sense of actually, God, where you are, that's where home is going to be. In a couple weeks, I'm going to be flying back to the States to go home, to be with my mom and dad and to hang out with them. Uh, And when I'm back there, people say, oh, does this feel like home to you? I said, no, it feels really strange. When I'm back here, does it, does it feel like home? It does kind of feel like home because I pay a mortgage on this house. So, yes, that's more home. HSBC is clearly where I live. Um, and, um, but there's this greater sense that actually I know that I can go anywhere in this country or in this world and be with other Christians. And I will be home to be able to fellowship with them, to be able to share with them, to have that life there. And you know what really makes it feel like home? When you're there together and suddenly you start talking about God and you hear their testimony and then afterwards you're praying together. And it's like, wow, it is amazing to be home. This verse, knowing that actually goodness and mercy not just follow us, but actually all the days of our life we will dwell in the house of the Lord. If you are struggling to find rest, if you're struggling to find that kind of peace in that place, what you need to do is actually, as we've gone through this, saying, God, it is you. I need you to shepherd me. Or I need, to, I need to make me lie down. Let me have water. God, I need to see this banquet in front of my enemies. I need to know that you're going to have that abundance for me. God, I need to have that restoration of my soul. God, I need to know your rod and staff because I'm going through a really dark time. Or God, I just need to know that I'm home with you. For each of those areas, whatever God is pressing in your heart right now, let us respond in worship and in prayer to that. As we, before we come to the worship, shall we actually just read this, um, read this psalm together? And I've got this here, um, and we'll, we'll just read it read it out. Shall we, shall we? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much because you are so good to us. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, because we know that you are the one who provides for us. As we come and we worship, as we come and respond to you today, Lord, let your spirit really speak into our hearts. As we've reflected on this psalm, let our prayer respond that same way. So when you meet us here, we speak into our lives, into the troubles, into the worries, into the stress, into the anxiety, into the fear. And let us know that peace and that rest that comes in you. (coughs) We come and we want to worship you now. You are great shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's come and worship.